The Great Resignation means one thing for sure for the pharmaceutical industry. We have a lot of people new to pharma. How do we get brand new employees, some who have never been in pharma, to become high performers in what may be the most complicated industry in human history? I'm Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. I'm joined today on the podcast by Jennifer Sozio, Senior Vice President, and Audra Holloman, Vice President of Cineos Health Clinical. Jennifer and Audra have been solving this exact problem for the past seven years. Training the next generation of pharma, next on the Cineos Health Podcast. Jennifer Sozio, Audra Holloman, welcome to the Cineos Health Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So we're talking today about getting new people on in the industry. So that's something that you've had to face. It seemed to be that at one time, the whole idea of hiring within our industry and maybe within our company was to hire somebody who already was experienced. That's not necessarily possible following the great resignation and a very, very tight job market. What are you finding as you're trying to get new people? Is that what's driving getting new people on? So I think when I look at it, about 20 years ago, the industry had a ton of these programs and we were training clinical research associates. We were training people out of college. We were training people who were in the medical field to become clinical research associates. And then there was a swing in the industry where everybody only wanted experienced clinical research associates. And we sat there for a while Most companies have some sort of training program, but we went through the great resignation over the past few years post the pandemic start and realized we have not been growing our CRA teams at the level needed to support all the current work. Yeah. So those that are not in the industry, what is a clinical research associate? Like, what do you do if you're a clinical research associate? So a clinical research associate is really the investigative site manager. So as our physicians participate and conduct clinical trials at their sites in their offices or in their hospital locations, we have to closely monitor and assess what they're doing is in accordance with regulation, in accordance with the protocol, and that we're gathering all the information and the data of what's happened with those patients doing the investigative trial, investigative drug. So the CRA has a crucial role in traveling to the sites, managing and working with them both on-site and remotely, evaluating their data and evaluating their compliance to the stated process, because that's the data we use to evaluate, was the drug safe? Was the drug effective? It strikes me that somebody that becomes a clinical research associate, I mean, especially entry level, but really anywhere, you don't go to school to become a clinical research associate, at least not most of the time. You're being trained from doing something else, a nurse, nurse practitioner, maybe even a person with a regular biology degree, question mark, maybe no science degree at all, and just somebody who works with people. Is it really that broad or is there something much more narrow and I just don't know what a CRA is really trained to do before they get to you or someone like you? No, it can't be that broad. I mean, that's what we're looking at of knowing that we're shifting from requiring or expecting individuals to have that prior specific role-based experience. And instead, they're demonstrating that they have the competency to do the role. So that may be limited clinical research experience. That may be clinical experience. That may be academic research experience or applicable health science type of degree. 
And to your point, many successful CRAs are individuals that have made a switch in their profession. What we're seeing today is, for example, a lot of teachers that want to move professions. They show that they can manage work independently. They have that critical thinking skills, attention to detail that's very important. And it's just where they use those transferable skills in monitoring and managing the clinical data. That's a helpful level setting for the kind of people that one is looking for. There is a sense that this is a clinical trial and we're handing people keys to a very, very expensive car and they potentially don't have a lot of experience driving, so to speak. What do we do because we have to, to bridge that gap? Well, at Cineos Health, that's where we've developed what we've called our Clinical Training Institute for CRA1s. It's a training program that we established in 2015. So in the last six years, we've trained over a thousand CRAs through this program in all regions. And our program, we think, is different because we do have a portion of that classroom, topical, fundamental learning about not only the role, but how it's in context with the clinical trial process. But it's a three-month program where they also have experiential learning. They have a dedicated manager who's really escorting them through this process of learning and gaining the -the on-the-job experience. Then as they are deployed, they have opportunities to accompany experienced clinical research associates on their site visits. They observe, and then they're being signed off to conduct those tasks independently. And our program's accredited. It's something that's been credentialed by a governing body. So we know that when they complete the program, they also actually receive a credentialing that really demonstrates that it's been a robust training program. Before we go into the details about what might be in this kind of training and then what it means for the industry to learn how to bring on somebody new in an industry that's very, very complicated and has a lot to teach them. Just one note, and I'm wondering if you have found this to be true, is that For other jobs, when you're trying to hire someone, sometimes experience really matters. If this literally were a car driving, somebody that has experience driving a car would matter. Other things, experience doesn't matter so much, at least experience within the role. I know that if we were to go at a different extreme from car driving, something that's a very physical skill, if you go to something like telemarketing or something like that, not our industry, but a different industry, previous experience in telemarketing didn't matter when people actually went back to look to see whether or not people would be good at their jobs. It just didn't matter. It wasn't the skill that mattered so much for whether somebody was good at the next job. They needed to learn that job. People with general skills could learn that job. Can you help orient me on whether or not this role is special? Is it more like telemarketing where you're able to use transferable skills and somebody who's good at talking to people and talking with people or convincing them of something is basically going to be good no matter what and the specific experience in the role doesn't matter? Or is it something where specific experience in the role does matter and you're just able to give them enough driving experience behind the wheel, so to speak? I think it's a little bit of both, in my opinion. It's the contextual experience. So do they have exposure and honestly a desire and interest in science in a clinical exposure or scientific exposure? Because it's a job that without that foundation, people may struggle and or just not like because it is very detail oriented. But then there are some things that are more the competencies that are definitely transferable, being a strong communicator, being an independent worker, problem solving, being organized. Those are things that people can convey from other work or study experiences. 
So what do you do in the training that makes it successful in this kind of mid-range between some experience behind the wheel and someplace else where you don't really need to be trained and you're using all transferable skills? We're in between. How are you managing that in between? So the training program's really robust in that it's a combination of coursework as well as live coursework and you're doing simulations that's being checked by the leader of the program to make sure that all of the CRA skill set skills are being understood and processed correctly. And I think what makes our training program unique is that it's not just a classroom setting and then they're deployed to a project team assignment to have on-the-job observation or experience. They really are escorted through their learning by a management team that has a focus on this training and a focus on managing people that are new in this role. So they're really coaching them day to day. They're helping them manage through their objectives week to week and month to month. And the feedback that we get from the training program graduates is how valuable that relationship was, that they saw that investment in their learning, and they were nurtured in their growth and their development as an independent monitor and CRA. And is there a transition period then once you're kind of new in the role? And that's maybe a take home for us is that you start them out, you give them three months of training It's quite a lot of training in accredited in this case, and we're working with them to be able to train them on the materials that they have. I'm guessing that they're giving mentoring opportunities as they work through the first year, I would imagine, but I don't know. Is there something that is on top of the training that allows people to get in the role and get that experience without being too dangerous in the interim? That's exactly it. We maintain that line management relationship with their coach and their manager that full year. And really the goal is by the end of that year, they have been monitoring and managing their workload independently. And they're really conveying to show that on-site experience to advance further in the leveling of our job titles. So it is that line management mentoring and relationship. And we also know that we have to align the project assignment to what makes sense for those individuals. They are typically assigned on projects that there's a larger project team where they may have a senior member mentor and coach as well, where they may observe and have that individual at a project level to answer questions and coach them through their experience. We're not going to sign, for example, a learning CRA, as you mentioned, the driving analogy. We're not going to have their first car be Lamborghini. We're not going to assign them to very complex, maybe rare disease or indication activities where maybe the patient, the site number risk would be higher. But what we do find, actually, is these are individuals that are really motivated And they are really motivated to do things right and take the feedback and learn in advance. Whereas as we look at the limited experienced CRA pool, oftentimes those experienced CRAs are people that have maybe bad habits that need to be broken. So this does give us the opportunity to train individuals with the current industry standards, current process, and we're not breaking bad habits as well. Would you take a new person that has no experience over an experienced person at this point? Yes. 
And in many cases, yes. Not only because of that motivation and eagerness and desire to learn and please, but also because they are flexible. They understand project assignment opportunities and they understand that variety is an opportunity. At times, our senior and experienced CRAs may be more focused on the comfort area of what they've monitored or certain therapeutic areas, or they're looking at perhaps wanting to limit the amount of travel they do as they advance in their careers, which we understand that travel can be a challenge or we have personal life situations and people starting out in the role are really eager and they like that opportunity. You know, it reminds me of consulting. You can't have a consultant just go in front of a client if they're new. Getting that training and the experience over time is crucially important. The flip side of that is that when you bring on somebody who is experienced from another organization, sometimes it doesn't work out so well. And so it's sounding like that might also be the case in the clinical research organization, perhaps, or generally to the industry. Yeah. And Jennifer mentioned that there was a period of time as an industry where we used somewhat of a prescriptive requirement of having at least two years of monitoring experience or CRA experience, thinking that that would be a quality threshold or a way to limit risk to quality. But what we're really finding is that if we train them well and manage and oversee them in our plan, the CRA1s, their metrics and their quality of their deliverables are the same, if not better, than the general CRA pool. And that's what we want to assure as we work with our project teams and our sponsors that we evaluate that and manage that. I also wanted to know, we really work to balance the project teams. So we would never resource an entire project with all new CRAs. We would make sure it's balanced between new CRAs, senior level CRAs. So they have that support and experience level across the team. The temptation will be, and I'm probably preaching to a choir here on this one, to look at the training as a cost center and say, well, the training costs us this much. And look, the outcomes have been great. And to throw away the umbrella in the middle of the rainstorm, to borrow an analogy that's been used elsewhere, and try to save money short term. But that could be extraordinarily dangerous in this kind of case. Yeah, the training's a big investment because it is extremely important work what these people are doing. So it's important that they feel supported and they have that support and robust training through the whole year. I mean, if you think about doctors and their ability to diagnose a disease correctly, if it's a normal disease, something that's seen all the time, we want an old doctor, a doctor who's been around forever, who's seen it a million times and they're great. But if you want something that needs to be diagnosed because it's a new and different and something off the beaten track, something that might show up on house MD, You want a new doctor because a new doctor doesn't know any better that it's that rare from experience. They actually diagnose rare things more commonly than older physicians and more experienced physicians. So having that mix on the teams can be crucially important because a new face provides perspectives that wouldn't be there. And the old pans are the ones that for almost everything will be right. But when there's something different, the new people can sometimes be better. And that's a really good analogy. It really is. And especially with how, as an industry, we're really in risk-based monitoring models, how people think and how everybody thinks differently. It's really important that we're building these diverse teams where there are different ideas raised and people are talking and there's diverse ideas. 
Yeah, and just to add to that, especially as we look at new risk-based monitoring models where the workflow of a clinical research associate is different. So an experienced, very seasoned CRA may actually find that jarring. They're used to doing things the way they've always done things, but our more junior CRAs understand that new way of like a centralized data review and monitoring approach. So much of the decentralized data sources that we use and electronic applications or our iPhone apps for to collect patient diary information, all of that's more familiar to those younger and entry-level individuals that understand that's the part of the data ecosystem and that's not different for them. That's all they know. Yeah. It's not that they maybe are more familiar with it. They're just unfamiliar with everything. So it all seems fine to them and there's less pushback. Right. So if we kind of pivot from the work that you guys have done on this specific but important problem of we need now to be able to switch from experienced CRAs as a whole to new people are going to be inexperienced. We can't just go with experienced ones because they don't exist. The industry has run out of them. That sort of dynamic is happening across the industry, in part because there's been a lot of turnover and people have gotten different roles, in part because the industry is growing rapidly still. What are the other take-homes that we have that we can apply to pharma in general? not just CRA at Cineo South. So pharma in general, I oversee our FSP teams here at Cineo South. And what's an FSP team? Well, that's our functional service provider. So we provide CRAs or project management, any function to our pharmaceutical clients, and they work in client systems, client SOPs, and run the work on behalf of the pharmaceutical company. What we see with entry level is everybody is very open to it. Everybody understands the need. As an industry, there are just not enough experienced people right now. But that said, taking what is the perceived risk of using entry level people or people that have gone through a training program, there's still that hesitation I see in the industry overall. And I don't know, Audra, if you're finding that as well. Yeah, I think that this is an example of where we want to look at the competency of a candidate and how that aligns to whatever role there is within the research process. For CRAs, this allows us to have at least that longevity of their learning and their growth and development within one company. And then earlier, want to look at what's next for them. And so really think about what's their individual development plan and interest. Is that moving into a clinical leadership role? Is that project management? Is that finance? So once we engage earlier in someone's general career path, it also allows us to understand the opportunities and for them to understand their next steps of opportunities and how we can have that and how we can support that. Well, Jennifer Sozio, Audra Holloman, thank you for joining me on the Cineo South podcast and to talk about how we train people up that are new in the industry and what that means for the industry as a whole. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's all for today's episode of the Cineos Health Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. If you want to talk through a hard decision you're making at your life sciences company, you may email me at podcast at cineoshealth.com. For access to more future-focused, actionable life sciences insights, visit the Cineos Health Insights Hub at insightshub.health. Cineos Health. 
shortening the distance from lab to life.